Indeed, you know what that means, don't you? It's time for another exciting episode of Taxi TV Live. Welcome to the big show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Monday. And this week, our show is going to be the trick to making more money with production music. <laughs> and the crowd loves it. They really love it. Okay, anyway, uh, for those of you watching the archive version of today's show, if you've got some tricks that, of your own that you'd like to share, please drop them in the comments below the video today, after the show. The comment that gets the most likes will win a free taxi t-shirt. We will send it to you. Uh, if you're not a subscriber to this channel, hit that red button. Um, Am I on? Yeah, there I am. Okay, if you're not a subscriber to this channel, hit that red button. And if you liked what you learned on today's show, then give us some love by hitting that thumbs up thingy. And now, let's learn some tricks to making more money with production music. Notice that I said tricks plural. Um, there are actually a bunch of tricks that I'm going to teach you today. Eh, having a hard time reading that down there. Ariana's like, you got to get the paper down. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I said tricks plural because I've got a bunch of them. And uh, you should get a lot more of your music signed and hopefully placed if you follow these. The number one trick. Oh, man, I meant to upload a, uh, a drum roll on my sound effects. The number one trick to getting more music signed, placed, and earning you more income is... Brrr, Figuring out what isn't working with your music that hasn't been signed, placed, or earning any income yet. So how do you do that? Well, if you don't figure out what isn't working, you're doomed to keep repeating the same mistakes over and over. And if you don't analyze your tracks that are underperforming, you're doing yourself a huge disservice. You know, you're just repeating those mistakes over and over for decades, some of you. Avoid holding on to those old habits or old processes or even old ideas that could be holding you back. Learn from those who appear to be more successful. So how do you do that? Well, compare your taxi submissions that didn't get forwarded to those that did for the same listing on the Taxi Forwards blog. And Liz, if you would be so kind to plop that in the chat room. Um, you can also find a forward section in the Taxi Forums at forums.taxi.com. Uh, it's the very first thing at the top of the page and there uh, some of our members who are regulars on the forum will post their piece of music that got forwarded for a particular listing and you can compare yours to that. Or you can go to the uh, forwards blog where we have everything that's public and has been forwarded uh, shows up there so that you can listen to what made the cut and what didn't and, uh, you know, hopefully set your ego aside and, and listen carefully and I think you'll learn a lot of great stuff. Many of our most successful members tell us that they do that and that they would not be where they are today if they hadn't done it. Um, so I recently saw a YouTube segment with a composer tracking a success or failure every week using Taxi. As much as I like and respect this person, I think he does a great job, and he certainly is a pretty smart guy. I was cringing when he appeared to be a little bit ego-bruised the other day when one of his submissions didn't get a taxi forward, and he made a comment that he kind of sort of held back a bit, didn't like fully vocalize it, but I could see that he was going there. Um, 
he might have even been snickering a little bit, just a little bit, but he seemed to allude to his feeling that his track was better than the music that was forwarded for the request that he didn't get forwarded for. So this otherwise intelligent person might be letting his bruised ego, and I understand it. Look, it's hard when you know people tell me they don't like taxi. It hurts my ego. Um, if somebody tells you they don't like a song of yours or that it didn't make the cut or for whatever reason wasn't forwarded, I get it. It's a bitter pill to swallow, but uh, you know what? If you want to take your music to the next level, give it a day or two to calm down after you see the critique and then go listen to the stuff that did get forwarded. And, and try not to be, you know, like Joe or Joanna comparison person where you're going, well, mine's better than that or theirs is better than mine. It's not so much about being better or best as it is what did they do that I didn't. Um, maybe it was in the mix, maybe it was in your instrumentation choices, maybe it was in the sound of some of your samples, um, maybe your instrumental track uh, was really good, but it just kind of stayed even throughout the whole thing and didn't give editors a lot of options by giving a sense of moving forward by, you know, building it up, then dropping it back down, building it up, building it up, and then going out for the big button ending finish. Um, so look for those things and look for things that the tracks that show up on the Forwards blog have in common. That is probably the best information that you'll find. Um, to quote one of our Rising Star Taxi members, a guy named Andrew Jordan, who I have a tremendous amount of respect for. His music is great and he's a really good guy. He once said, uh, while I interviewed him for a passenger profile several years ago, he said, um, value criticism over validation. And I just thought that was the greatest advice I'd heard in a very long time. So I actually printed it out in like a two inch high font and uh, taped that piece of paper to my office door. And I walk in and out of that door several dozen times a day, I'm sure. And I notice that quote all the time, value criticism over validation. Uh, validation is awesome. You know, when a piece of your music gets picked for something, it's like, wow, I created something that somebody else thought had value and wanted to put it in this TV show or this movie or this TV commercial. Take a bow, enjoy that moment, but also value criticism, uh, especially if it's well-intended criticism feedback, uh, you know, not like, ew, man, your music sucks, but criticism like, I like everything about this track, but it just doesn't feel like it's got much of a developmental arc, or um, there's not enough bottom end on the mix. Uh, that's not a slam against you or even your talent or your capabilities. It just means that for whatever reason, maybe a bad monitoring situation in your studio, um, maybe nobody ever taught you what the right amount of bottom end is in a mix. Um, whatever the reasons, and there are plenty of them, um, don't take it personally. It's not an attack on you. It's not even an attack on your music. It's actually just people voicing an opinion on this is what could make it better. And that's what we're all after. So you can also use the, the comments from the taxi screeners. Um, I, I spent a big chunk of this past weekend editing our member uh, success stories um, that are coming out in the newsletter in about a week. And I was once again really delighted, 
kind of surprised by how many people comment on how much they value the feedback they've gotten from taxi screeners over the years. So I hope that that's something that a lot of you are feeling. I know that a lot of people would like to take shots at the screeners, like, oh, this guy or this girl or this person just doesn't like my music. They don't get me. It's not about you. Um, it's about does the music fit what the client asked for. Um, and, and that's what they're judging it on. It, it's really not about personal taste or that one person was born more gifted as a composer or an artist than another. It's really truly just about does it really answer what the listing asked for and is it above the quality bar? And if it is, it'll get forwarded. So listen to those screeners. Um, like I've said many, many times before in the show, their resumes would blow your mind. Um, and you can see, I don't know, maybe 70 or 80% of them on our website. We're, I've got to admit, we're slackers when it comes to updating the screener list on the website, but you can find them on there and, um, and check them out. And they are all musicians that uh, they understand your world because they've been in your world. Maybe they're still in your world. Um, all right, here's another quick tip that, another quick trick, that's hard to say, quick trick that will help you make more money with your production music. Understand that you're not trying to create music that will be the star of a scene. Your music is not the most important thing. As a matter of fact, it should not be the most important thing. Instead, you're trying to create music that will serve the scene, the story, the character, the emotion, the mood, and the energy that's in the scene. Okay, so it's people who make TV shows and films don't want the music to be the star. And you know, there are always exceptions to everything. Yeah, if it's a scene where it's about a singer in a band or a couple of songwriters trying to write a hit, of course the music's going to be the star of the scene, or at least equal to the talent and the action and the dialogue. But the vast majority of the time, music is there to serve the scene, not to be the star. Here's a quick, uh, here's a tip versus a trick. <laughs> this is a tip versus a trick related to my last trick. This will help you get a lot more placements and earn more income with production music. Know that you're not trying to create hit songs for film and television. Music for media is quite different from music for radio, records, and streaming on Spotify and what have you. Um, it's a whole different beast. If your song is so catchy that it gets the attention of the people watching the show, it takes them out of the scene. It takes them away from the story. It takes them away from the action. It takes them away from the characters. It defeats the whole purpose unless, again, you know, the music is the star, intended to be the star of the scene because it's a scene about songwriters or an artist performing or something like that. Most of the time, it's there to amplify an emotion, amplify a mood, um, amplify the energy of the scene so you're not trying to create hit records but there's so many people that have this feeling that my music is so good that people are just going to want to use it and it's going to be awesome in that show couldn't be further from the truth all right here's a great trick for making more money with production music 
Know that your job is to create usable music for the end user. I'm going to repeat that one more time. Your job is to create usable music for the end user. So who are those end users? Production music libraries, and they're looking for music they can make money with because their clients will find it to be usable. And of course, the other end users are the music supervisors and video editors that get that music from the libraries and then present that music to their end users who are the directors on films and executive producers on TV shows. The more that you understand that your goal is to make music that fills a need and by doing that, it earns more money for the music library and for you, the better off you'll be and the more money you'll make with your production music. Still with me? You are. All right. Uh, let's do another one. Another trick to making money with your production music is creating music in genres that you're good at making and also in high demand. All right, so it's great if you're great. Well, I'm going to read what I wrote because I put so much effort into it. I should actually use what I wrote. Uh, in other words, expect less income if you create music in genres like math rock or pirate metal, by the way, I'd never heard of pirate metal till I was doing my research for the show on Saturday. Um, in other words, expect less income if you create music in genres like math rock or pirate metal, rather than genres that are frequently used like dramedy or tension or hip hop or jazz piano, even more specifically, maybe cocktail jazz piano, which gets used all the time orchestral stuff, depending, you know, whether it's in trailers or maybe underscore and other genres that get used much more frequently. So remember, uh, if you, if the thing that you're good at is math rock, then just do math rock and be good at it and understand that it's not going to be a high income generating genre for you. But if you want to make more money with your production music, then see if there are genres that are in high demand that are also in your wheelhouse. An easy trick to making more money with your production music is to title your tracks. I love this one. Title your tracks and songs. So the titles tell the end users what they can expect to hear when they click on your music. Here's some examples from super successful taxi members, including Keith LeBrant, and some of his titles are Lonely Sunday. You can hear that, right? What would a Lonely Sunday sound like? You could hear a piano version, a guitar version of that. It's, it's kind of obvious. Uh, Step into Greatness, Up to No Good, Sneaky Dramedy Track. Here's another one would be great for a Sneaky Dramedy uh, Track, Sneaky Sense. Here's one, I uh, love this one, Swagger, Party of One. Cool Country Ride, right? You can hear it. Um, Arena Dreams, big anthemic rock, right? Killing the Suspense and High Score, just to name a, a very few. Uh, man, Keith had so many great tracks, but I didn't want to take up the entire show naming them all. And here's some great examples from another very successful taxi member, Mr. Greg Carosa, who may or may not be in the room today. Hello, Greg, if you are. Um, bring the drama. 
Misty Sunrise. <laughs> it sounds like a stripper name, actually. Uh, magical Future and Feeling Breezy. I mean, again, all those take your, your mind or your mind's eye to a place where you can kind of hear what the music sounds like before you even listen to it. Um, <laughs> Carose is in the chat room. My latest hip-hop uh, tension or tensic? Oh, tension. Yeah, I've got my screen a little cut off. Tension track. Hang on, let me roll this over. Uh, it's called Pressure Cooker. That's a good one. I like it. All right. Um, and finally, here's some examples from successful taxi member Andrew Jordan. And his examples are Summer Dream, Caliente, Dystopia, Perfect Day, Winner's Circle, Go Hard. I'm assuming that's for sports. Um, party life. Oh, maybe those two go together. Uh, broken dreams. Live the moment. And last but certainly not least, time to heal. Oh, man, Andrew, you're so sensitive. <laughs> anyway, giving your instrumentals and songs titles that telegraph to the potential users what they can expect to hear when they click will dramatically increase the chances your music will be licensed and make you more money with your production music. All right, here's a great trick to earning more income with your production music. Make sure you get the right kind of music in the right music libraries. It doesn't make good business sense to put your dramedy instrumentals in a catalog that's well known for mostly licensing songs, not instrumentals. Conversely, what would you expect that a music library that gets a ton of instrumental placements in reality TV shows uh, to get a lot of placements for your songs that would be best used in montages of scripted, episodic, dramatic TV series? There are some music libraries that do both types, instrumentals and songs. Um, they get requests for all that stuff. They pitch a lot of that stuff. But most libraries, in my observation, my experience, seem to do a little better at one than the other. Some libraries don't touch instrumentals. They only do songs. Others only do um, songs and not instrumentals. Most have some songs and instrumentals, but look at their track record. Look at the shows they're on. If they've got a larger volume of instrumental tracks and you see that most of their placements are on reality TV, that tells you that's a great library for you to be in with your instrumental tracks. If most of their placements happen to be songs and they're in dramatic, hour-long, episodic dramas, then that tells you that maybe they're a little weaker on the instrumental side of the street and their strength is getting songs in montages or in background source situations. So there you go. Don't just, want, don't just get in any old music library, get in the right music library. Here's another great trick to making more money with your production music. Do not put all of your musical eggs into one basket. In other words, spread your bets around by doing deals with as many good music libraries as you can. Here's why. Music libraries that are getting a lot of syncs today might lose a big client. And if they lose that big client, 
tomorrow, they may not be getting many sinks at all, or maybe next week or next month. Um, it's going to take a while for them to find another big client that uses all that music. Shows come and go, music supervisors come and go, editors that use music come and go. So you want to be get your music into several music libraries, therefore you're kind of hedging your bets and evening out the amount of your music that gets used. Because if you put all your music in one library because they love you, and then that library loses their biggest client or a few clients, your music is going to sit there on that virtual shelf for quite some time before that library leaves the valley and goes back to the peak of the mountain. So choose your libraries wisely. And choose a lot of them. <laughs> Here's a relatively easy trick to ensure that your songs go into production music libraries that will get more placements and earn you more money. Choose the most commonly needed lyric themes and write songs about them. I'm going to repeat that for effect. Choose the most commonly needed lyric themes and write songs about them. Rather than just picking ideas out of the air, kind of randomly writing songs, why not think about what are the most common things that you hear? In TV shows, for instance, um, some examples of common lyric themes might be falling in love, losing love, feeling good, having a great day, overcoming obstacles and challenges. That one shows up a lot. Winning, losing, never giving up, feeling down and out, figuring it all out. Hmm. Uh, coming of age, pretty popular one. Feeling sad, feeling lonely, feeling lost. Now you can see why I've given up on my career in acting, which I actually never started. Uh, going home, coming home, really popular. Home is where the heart is. Family ties, for better or for worse. Party time, going out on the town. Girl power, very big these days. Has been for several years, actually. Uh, not going to get me down. Defiance. Motivation, girls' night out, feeling regretful, a new day is dawning, feeling happy to be alive, <laughs> uh, being angry, Urgh. feeling fear. <laughs> I'm telling you, the acting career never got started. Uh, feeling joy, feeling nostalgic, feeling relief, feeling sexy. Attraction, romance, feeling proud, feeling adventurous, having faith, and a host of others. But you know what? Go back and listen to that list again. Jot these down. Um, I think I'll ask Liz and Ariana if they could put that list in, in the comments below so that you guys can just copy them and paste them. But the next time you sit down to write, look at that list and pick one. Even if you have to print the list out, throw a dart and wherever it lands, try to write to that theme because it just doesn't make any sense to write at themes that aren't frequently used. So there you go. Um,
Oh, one of the best ways to understand the context of how songs with emotions um, are often used is to go to tunefind.com. Great website. Um, and see which shows are using songs with these types of lyric themes and look for those which are most commonly used. You can go to tunefind.com and check out any show that's on TV, um, films as well, I believe, and, and see a playlist for that show. Many, many, many shows are on there and films. Build a list uh, of the themes that you hear in those shows. Tape it to the wall in your studio. When you sit down to write, pick one of the most commonly used themes and try to write with that in mind. All right. Here's a great trick to making more money with your production music, if ever there was one. Keep it simple, stupid. And I'm not calling you stupid. I'm just you know, using an old uh, turn of phrase, if that's the right phrase to use. The old kiss adage, keep it simple, stupid. Back when I still worked on making records many, many, many moons ago, my rule of thumb was, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Isn't that sad that I had to read that off the page when I've actually said it thousands of times? Just because you can doesn't mean you should. In other words, why clutter up a track or a song? Sure, that extra guitar part works, but what do you really gain from adding it? Does it make your track or song incrementally no. Does it make your track or song incrementally harder to mix? Probably. Uh, will that new part get you one more sync placement? Probably not. Virtually every one of Taxi's most successful members will tell you that they were surprised when they started to get a lot of placements, and they noticed that most of them were their simplest instrumental tracks or songs. Uh, it's not infrequent that people will take a song, take the stems from the song, take the vocal out, or just take a mix minus vocal, and use a stripped-down version of the track. Um, simple almost always wins the day. Uh, why is that? My educated guess is that it gets out of the way of the dialogue or voiceover or whatever is going on in the scene. Again, music is not the star. So when you're tempted to add another instrument or another part, repeat after me, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Here's a trick that will certainly help most of you make more money with your production music, and that is make it easy for production music libraries to work with you. Don't be the squeaky wheel. Don't think that by being the squeaky wheel that you're going to get more placements. You're just going to annoy them. Most music libraries don't have the time to give you the special attention that you may feel that you deserve. They don't have the time or the obligation to educate you as to the ways of the industry. Some will, but the vast majority don't want to. And those that do don't want to do it very often because they make money when they're pitching music. And when I say they make money, I mean they're making you money as well. When they make a buck, you make a buck. In fact, the more educated you are as to how the industry works and the less hand-holding that you require, the more music libraries will love working with you. If you need advice, it's probably a better idea to ask your fellow taxi members on the taxi forums rather than asking a music library owner. 
If you're easy for music libraries to work with, the better chance you'll have to make the better chance you'll have to make it to their preferred composer or artist list and get briefs sent directly to you. I'm going to read that again because I messed that up. If you're easy for music libraries to work with, the chances are better that you'll... I, I just wrote this poorly. <laughs> it sounded good when I wrote it. If you're, if you're easy for the music libraries to work with, the better chance you'll have to make it to their preferred composer or artist list and get briefs sent to you. It's true. Why would they want to send briefs out or requests for music to people who are just going to drive them crazy with questions? Nope. They're going to pick maybe 5 or 10% of the people in their library and go, these are the people that always deliver stuff on time. They don't drive me crazy with questions. They know how the industry works. They just hunker down, make the music, and make it easy for me. So that is a great way to make more money with your production music is by being easy for the libraries to work with. Another great trick to making more money with production music is to not create full albums of a particular genre before you're asked to do so. And I know that flies in the face of the opinions of many other people in the industry. Um, I disagree, and here's why. I keep seeing people making full albums because somebody out there somewhere uh, is teaching an online course and going, make full albums. And then you send the full album and the library goes, well, you're in the ballpark, but I would make these seven changes on the first track, these four changes on the second track, the third one I would just take out of the, the mix altogether, the fifth one, uh, the drums aren't loud enough, and so on and so forth. So you end up going back and doing major surgery on all this stuff, and they'll probably only end up taking a few of them and not all ten of them. The cool way to do it, in my personal opinion, and this is from years of observation, is get the library to go, that's an awesome track right there. Can you make me nine more like that? And that way you can send them like each one as you complete it, and they can give you a couple of notes on it, and you move forward. That way you're working with specific direction and not going to the time and trouble and effort to make a full album that is not going to be, in all probability, like the album that you thought it was. So let them be the, the guide and tell you exactly what they want. Impress them with one, get them to ask you to make many. Here's a little trick to help you make more money with your production music. Don't let one bad instrument ruin an entire track or song. Think of this in terms of a piece of visual art. I was very happy when I came up with this analogy, so listen carefully, class. If you've painted an incredible portrait and everything looks beautiful and professional and your portrait has purple lips, assuming that it's not supposed to be like some sort of kooky modern art, but your portrait has purple lips, that could be just enough to have people go, ooh, <laughs> maybe it'll turn off your buyers. It probably will turn off your buyers. So the same thing is true of music. You could have a really beautifully written piece that is genre appropriate, really fits the need of what the production music library is asking you for, but just one obviously bad string sample or really horribly tinny drums that are mixed too low, whatever the instrument is, that one thing 
will end up being the shiny object, and I don't mean that in a good way, that draws their attention to that one thing, and they'll go, ah, so close. Now, next. So don't have purple lips in your productions unless you put them there by intent and for a really good reason. And even then, why would you take that creative risk and make that rookie mistake when it might lower your probability of hitting a home run? Here's a trick to making more money with your production music that might be the most common reason for not getting an offer from a music library or a placement in a film or a TV show. Don't try to fit a square peg into a round hole. You've heard me say this literally a thousand times. I mean it. Um, give them exactly what they ask you for. Duh. <laughs> Thinking that your piece of music is so darn good that the music supervisor, the production music library, the film director, or executive producer will rewrite the script, reshoot the scene, or change the emotion they need in the scene because your music is just so awesome is about as wrong-headed as could be. They're the buyers. Just give them what they want to buy and you'll make more money. Here's another trick to making more money with your production music in film and TV. Make a lot of it. Make tons of it. Most placements by themselves don't come with a huge payday. There are exceptions, of course, but the vast majority of placements earn relatively small amounts of money, especially in the realm of instrumental tracks used in uh, reality shows. Yet we have taxi members who earn six-figure incomes, some that earn multi-six-figure incomes, from doing nothing but creating instrumental tracks for production music libraries. Why is that that they make so much money? Because they make and pitch hundreds of tracks and songs, and ultimately, over time, they have a multitude of tracks in a dozen or maybe even two dozen different production music libraries. Obviously, it's much easier to create many types of instrumental tracks than it is songs with vocals. You don't have to sing, write a lyric or sing a vocal. makes the mixing easier. So that might be the best way to go if you're looking to create a huge vol volume of music. And don't feel like you're a big fat loser if you take a full day or more to create a track in the beginning. Um, you're going to get faster. Every single one of our successful taxi members, especially in the realm of instrumentals, but also to, to a degree, maybe a large degree, as far as songs go as well, they all will tell you that it used to be a slog in the beginning, that they would spend a day or several days on an instrumental track, or a week or two on a song. And now, uh, a couple of years later, maybe even not that long later, maybe you know, like a half a year later, um, I just read about somebody uh, while working on the uh, successful taxi member success stories over the weekend, somebody that got it right away. And, and they swear that because they just kept doing it over and over again, and yes, sometimes they failed, but they got faster and they got better. And that's the secret, is cranking out a lot of music. Um, Many of our successful members will tell you that the secret to making really good income with production music is to ultimately have at least 500, if not 1,000 or even 2,000 tracks in a dozen music libraries. They will also tell you that it'll take 5 to 10 years to accomplish that goal. Holy crap, who's got 5 to 10 years? Well, if, let's put this in terms of like an investment portfolio. 
Um, there are very few investments, uh, at least not super risky ones, that uh, you could put $1,000. You know, you're probably going to make 5% on that money, but it's cumulative. And I, I forget what the rule of thumb is. Every five years or something, it doubles at 5%. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's every 10 years. Whatever it is, it takes time and it's cumulative. Well, the same thing is true of production music library tracks. The more you get, the more tracks you have, and the more catalogs, the more placements you're going to get. And eventually you're going to get to the point where the income is rolling in like crazy. And even if you stop making new music, for years and years afterwards, because your music is out there in so many places, it's going to keep getting used and the income is going to keep coming in. And I don't know a single musician who will stop making music to just go, you know, like take a year off, uh, with the exception of Matt Hurt, because he fell in love with photography. But excluding our dear friend Matt Hurt, most musicians will make music until the day they can't. Maybe, you know, their fingers get riddled with arthritis or whatever, you know, age, old age, or ill health takes over, God forbid. But most musicians will make music forever. So why not let that those tracks just accumulate in many, many different libraries. Be patient. Five years, maybe 10 years to really hit it out of the park, but then the rest of your life is going to be golden. And frankly, it, it's a lot safer investment portfolio than putting your money in stocks or bonds. Although I'm not a financial advisor, so that's just one guy's opinion. There, that just made my lawyer really happy. All right, and here's one last trick to making money with production music for film, TV, and commercials. Seems so obvious, yet so many people do it. Don't give up and quit. It's this simple. If you quit, you won't make a lot of money. It blows my mind and breaks my heart when people give it a shot for six months of taxi or maybe a year of taxi, and then they go, well, I only made $115 last year. This is BS. Well, lights are changing in here. Um, and, and I'm just going to quit. I'm walking away with my tail between my legs. If that's the case, you are definitely not going to achieve that goal, making a lot of money with production music. Every one of Taxi's successful members would tell you that this is a marathon and not a sprint. You can believe them and change your financial life in your future, or you can think that you should start making great money right away and then get discouraged when you don't, and then you quit. It's your choice, and I think you know which decision I would recommend. So, I'm going to open the floor up to questions right now. Yep, six whole months, Marion. We see a lot of people that get really upset and quit after 90 days or maybe a half a dozen submissions. Some people get upset that they made three or four submissions in a year and nothing happened. And then they blame the messenger, not their, their work ethic. So I want to mention, if you liked what you heard on today's show, please give that thumbs up icon a click. If you're not a subscriber to this channel and you'd like to be, give that red button a smash. And if you'd like to get alerts on when we go live and who wouldn't, um, click that little bell thing up there in the corner, okay? So uh, let's open the floor for discussion. We've got a lot of time and I don't think I'm gonna do a 90 minute show today. I think we'll uh, end it at one hour today. Uh, Gloria Covington says, write, submit, forget, repeat. And where is that? You could not be more right, Gloria. Write, submit, forget, and repeat. Don't 
put all your eggs in one basket and sit there and wait for the phone to ring or an email or a text to come in. Just keep making more music. Eventually, the money will come. Let's see. Carosa must have said something brilliant because somebody said, yep, you're right, Greg. Um, I don't know where it went. Oh, I know several taxi members who have more than 500 signed tracks uh, and also still have full-time jobs. I agree with you, Greg. I know a lot of those people. Um, yeah, you know, funny enough, many of them are computer programmers. There must be something in the hardwiring of a, of a computer programmer's brain that makes it easy for them to do music, maybe... Um, They've learned about meeting deadlines, working under pressure. Uh, maybe they're more organized because they have to organize their code for whatever those reasons are. You're absolutely right. There are a lot of computer programmers or IT professionals that seem to um, have music as their second job. And yeah, are, are they going to start making $100,000 a year as quickly as somebody doing it full time? No. But eventually, they get to the point where the music income equals what they were making from their day gig, and that's the point where they quit the day gig, if they choose to, and go full-time on music, and that's when things really get amped up. Um, oh gosh, who am I thinking of? Uh, Matt Vanderbo, maybe the single greatest example of that in Taxi's 31-year history. He was a college professor at Boise State. Um, somewhere in one of my emails, uh, there's a link to Vanderbo wearing a shirt and tie standing in front of a whiteboard or a blackboard actually teaching a class at Boise, Boise State. It's pretty funny. He was actually a really good teacher. He, he's really articulate as opposed to me. Not that articulate. Uh, and Vanderbo, uh, I don't want to disclose how much he was making at the time, but, you know, a pretty decent paycheck for a single guy. Uh, and, and it took him a few years, and as soon as he had that first quarter where his um, BMI or ASCAP check equaled what he would have made in a quarter of teaching, he put in his resignation and never went back to it. And uh, now he does music full-time, so there you go. All right, let's scroll down. Uh Arena Shiloh says, let's say that 10% of all who try will succeed in Hollywood County, dreamland. Uh, not all of us can be in the top 10%. Well, it, I don't think it's a binary thing where you're either a winner or you're a loser. Um, maybe 10% are the six-figure earning people who are able to walk away from their day job and do it full-time. But what about the next 5% or the next 10%? I would venture to say if people just do everything that I beg them to do on this show, that a big percentage of them could be successful. It's, I've said this a thousand times and I stand by it. I don't believe that you are born a gifted musician. There may be some that are born gifted. I've met a, a couple actually in my lifetime. Um, about 50 years being in the industry, I can think of two people that I would say were born gifted. Um, but for almost all of the taxi members who are making the six-figure incomes or people doing it part-time and making 40, 50, 60 grand a year part-time, uh, 
um, they're not gifted. They're not brilliant. You wouldn't listen to their stuff and go, oh my gosh, that person was born with a gift from God. You would listen to their stuff and go, that's really good. It's really appropriate for what they're doing. Oh, that's creative. Oh, that's an interesting take on a dramedy cue. But what they're doing is what the marketplace wants, and that doesn't require brilliance. It requires some clear-headed thinking and some hard work and a lot of stick-to-itiveness. Wow, I can't believe I said that word and didn't blow it. We all have those words. Uh, one of my daughters can't say manipulative. <laughs> Since she was a little kid, she goes, manipulative. <laughs> Stick-to-itiveness is hard to say. Um, okay, so there, there's my take on your 10% arena. I, I think that there's a, a much bigger percentage of people that can be successful at some level. And let's face it, not everybody wants to be a full-time composer or a full-time songwriter or artist pitching stuff for film and TV. For, I, I would guess, 30 to 50% of people getting something placed every now and then that just makes them feel really proud that people out there are getting to hear their music and appreciate it, that could be their life goal. Um, it, it's not everybody has to define success in the same way. Froggy the Frog Puppet <laughs> says, great show again. Thank you, Michael. Uh, you're welcome, Kermit. I, sorry, I couldn't resist. <laughs> I appreciate the compliment. Thank you. Um, here's a question from Froggy the Frog Puppet. Uh, Since I came back to Taxi, I've not seen any blues listings in the style of Muddy Waters. Is blues not in demand anymore? Just wondering because that's my wheelhouse. Like most genres, there there are some genres that are almost always in the mix, and there are others like blues um, that that come and go. Uh, it kind of depends what the marketplace is doing. Uh, what was the show Duck Dynasty? When Duck Dynasty and there were some shows that were like gritty modern day cowboy lawman shows. I can't think of the name of. There's one on FX, and the music supervisor from that show used to run a lot of listings with us. Um, actually, before he got on that show, he was a, a screener taxi, and uh, they needed stuff that was, you know, kind of gritty and dirty and greasy sounding blues. So it really depends what the shows are out there. Um, plus, a lot of libraries already have blues, and, and blues is, is unlike orchestral in that Orchestral stuff can start to sound long in the tooth after a few years because the libraries and overall sound quality of what um, producers and composers can do at home just gets incrementally better. And then like every two or three years, it just gets way better, obviously better. Um, so then the libraries have a bunch of orchestral stuff that needs to be thrown out or pushed to the, the back of the class. And the newer stuff that sounds hipper, or maybe, you know, it's a hybrid, so it's just better and more usable in today's market. The same is not true for blues. I would say that blues is blues is blues for the most part. As with everything in the industry, there are always exceptions, but for the most part, you know, what are they going to do? Come up with a better harmonica sound or a better bottleneck slide sound? Probably not. Um,
blues rock is a good compromise for blues, yep. Um, Michael Cross has a question. I have two songs forwarded, not sure what that means. That means that you nailed the request as far as stylistically, and the screener went, wow, this sounds great. Uh, the quality is there and the style is there. I'm forwarding it to the person who requested the music from Taxi, and depending on the genre and how many submissions we got, you could be one or two of a dozen or one or two of 50 or one or two of 100. It depends, but I guarantee you, you're not one or two of a thousand or five thousand or some ridiculous number. That music gets forwarded off to the person who requested it, and they know when they get that link to um, the the disco file from us that the music has been curated by real industry pros, and it's not going to be a waste of their time. Um, if you want to get a little inspired, go look at the success stories in uh, the Taxi newsletter, which you can find on the top nav bar of the Taxi website at taxi.com. And uh, you'll see that so many of our members have gotten deals because music was forwarded to these companies. So there's no guarantee. It's not like they're going to hear it and go, I've got to have that or I've got to put it in, in um, this TV show right now but you're on their desk. It means that you're really being considered by a real person in the industry who has that real need at this moment in time. That's what it means. In all likelihood, you won't hear back from them. They don't have the time to reach out to people and say, yo, Bob, I got your submission through Taxi and I just wanna let you know it was really good. It's not exactly what I needed or I didn't like it as much as something else I heard in that pile or any other pile I may have. But it's really good. They are not going to do that for you. Their job is not hand-holding or making you feel better or giving you an attaboy or you were that close. None of that. Their job is to get out there, find great music, and pitch that music so that they make a buck and the musicians make a buck. So just know that you are now two steps closer than you were the day before you found out about those two forwards. But you know what? Spend a lot of time on the Taxi Forum at forums.taxi.com. Get to know your fellow members. Collaborate with them because you can ride in on their coattails. Let's say you do something really well that they need in their productions, or they do something really well that you need in your productions, and eventually you'll have relationships with companies. They've already got them. So you each kind of ride the other one's coattails into getting to know that company as well. Uh, there's so many things you can do. Don't just merely sit there and wait for forwards because Taxi offers an ecosystem. The Road Rally, oh my gosh, go read the success stories in our newsletter. Just read them. Take an hour tonight, sit down, start reading at the top and just keep going. And you'll be blown away. If you're not inspired, and it's not just, hey, I got a placement. There's backstory behind the placement. Uh, and you will see that so many of the people talk about how c collaboration ha has been very advantageous for them, going to the road rally and meeting somebody um, that just came off the stage during a panel or somebody teaching a class or sitting with somebody at the mentor lunch or getting a one-to-one -one mentor situation with a library owner. All these things add up. I mean, it's great that you got a couple of forwards, way better than not having a couple of forwards, but let the whole taxi ecosystem go to work for you. Right now, you're just using a part of it, an important part, but just a part. Um, 
Let's see, scrolling down. Yeah, if you guys could put the word question in all caps, um, that will make it easier for me to scan the list. Um, Marion, I hope you can come to the live road rally this year. I really do. I've never met you and feel like you're part of the family here, so I would love to meet you. Um, Froggy the Frog Puppets, coming, uh, making plans to be at the next road rally coming from Edmonton. Great. You know, people always say, oh, I don't know. You know, it's a $300 plane ticket, you know, and I'm going to drop $1,000 between the plane ticket, the hotel, the meals. It's so worth a thousand bucks. I mean, first of all, the event is th is free. I mean, other events are like three hundred up to. Gosh, I just found out about one the other day. It's twenty five thousand dollars for a two day weekend. I wish I could charge twenty five grand, but we give it away, and people rave about it. They don't just like it or love it; they rave about it. So many good things happen. I'm telling you, read the success stories in the newsletter, and you will see how often the road rally is mentioned. You'll also see how often the comments from the screeners are mentioned as being key to people's um, development. Um, Mark Himley. Hey, Himley, how are you, buddy? Good to see you in there. Uh, the ROI is well beyond the expenses. Absolutely, Mark. Thank you for saying that. Really good to see you. I mean, not see you, see you, but <laughs> haven't seen you in a while. Uh, Arena Shiloh says the road rally is was a beautiful experience. Um, all right, John Linderman has a, a great Linderman has a great question. How do libraries for YouTube and social media compare to libraries that do traditional media outlets? Uh, that is such a great question. I don't think anybody's ever asked that one. Um, you'll get paid less, much less per placement for being in social media. Um, or in YouTube, you get a piece of ad revenue. Um, it's, it's not like a publishing thing where you get performance royalties. But um, if you're really prolific and have a thousand tracks in several of those libraries, it, it can be a nice secondary income. I think that most people, and many of our members, um, maybe our more advanced members, have gone that route. Um, and what they've anecdotally reported back to me is, yeah, I make some extra money at it. But then they look at the money they're making again. In the beginning, maybe you'll make a little faster money, but it's going to be minimal. Uh, but over time, once you get good enough and fast enough to produce a lot of tracks for the high-quality production music libraries that Taxi introduces you to, I personally think from what I've heard from members that have reported this back to me that that's where the big money is in the long term. Um, could you be in both? Absolutely. Uh, fair warning, though, that there are some of those libraries, not all of them, but some of them will take virtually anything that's thrown at them. And it kind of rubs me the wrong way because sometimes people don't get something forwarded through Taxi because it was a bad pitch. They didn't submit what the listing asked for, but then they sent that same thing into uh, one of the, uh, I don't even know what you call them, but you know, one of the libraries that services YouTube and other forms of, of media. Um, but not specifically TV or film or commercials so much. 
and uh, and they get it into that library. That library has a very low bar. Not to say that 100% of them do, but several that I'm aware of um, and keenly aware of actually have a pretty low bar. So if you want to have bragging rights and say to your friends and family, I've got my music in a catalog, pretty easy way to be able to say that. Um, personally, I'd save the bragging rights and go for the paycheck. So invest in the long-term bigger picture. Um, if anybody else would like to chime in, I would love to hear your opinions or your experiences as well. Um, when will the next road rally be announced? I still have airplane credits for a limited time because uh, I couldn't come last year. Got COVID. Ooh, sorry to hear that. Um, Liz, can you run into Angel's office and ask her for the dates for next year's road rally, please, and post that in the in the chat? Uh, Arena says, but Michael, it's not all about the money. Uh, money is the result of success, and success is is an entire success story. You got to focus on it. Um, I'm not 100% sure what that means, Arena, but yeah, it, it's not, like I said earlier, it's not always all about the money. Money is like icing on the cake. For, for a lot of people, though, it's just being able to say, look at that. I created something that was actually liked by somebody and they found value in it and it was usable and it made it into a TV show or a movie. That is better than money um, in, in many ways. But to have that experience and make money, that's the, that's where I'd like to be <laughs> if I were a, a producer. Um, when is it? November 2nd through the 5th. Thank you. November 2nd through the 5th. The road rally will be November 2nd through the 5th this year. And yeah, May 15th is coming up soon. That's when I officially start working on the road rally. But you'll be happy to know that I've already got a list of potential keynote speakers. Um, Matthew Jock, Joke, Joke, <laughs> sorry, Matthew, I butchered your name frequently happens on this show. Um, any advice for those nervous to break into the industry while also maintaining a full-time job in the interim? Um, about to graduate with a music production BS. <laughs> That's very apropos, music production BS. I'm assuming you're bachelor of science and trying to find my next path. Look, I, I would say 80 or 90% of our members, I'm guessing at that number, but that's a pretty good guess. 80 or 90% of our members have a full-time job and a career and a family and a mortgage and softball or little league and soccer and all those other things. Um, but th they find the time to work on their music sort of part-time, but on a very regular basis and with great focus. Um, Keith LeBrant, He's up there in our top probably 3% most successful members. I actually know what he makes, but I can't disclose it. Um, he makes an extremely respectable side income. Um, here, I'm this will blow your mind, uh, Matthew. Going on the taxi website right now as we speak. Hopefully I don't click any wrong buttons. Uh, there we go. Keith LeBrant has had 105 
6,455 placements on 1,711 TV shows on 283 TV networks. And it's a part-time job for him. Part-time. And he's got a family, and he's got a mortgage, and he's got a guitar collection that would make anybody cry, especially his wife if she had any idea how much he spent on those guitars. Um, there you go. So, you know what? Don't be nervous. Um, just understand that you're taking on a business, not a hobby. Um, enjoy your career, your regular day job. Um, even if you don't love it, enjoy the fact that it's putting a roof over your head and food on your table. And uh, just take the music part seriously. You, my father always said, if you treat it like a hobby, it will pay you like a hobby. So just block out an hour and a half a day. Um, gosh, who is it? Uh, one of our members whose name is escaping me at the moment, um, I think has three or four sons that range in age from you know primary school up to high school, maybe even college by this point. Um, and the guy gets up at 4.30 in the morning to work on his music stuff. And he did that every morning so that he could be done at 7.30 when his wife and kids came down for breakfast. So he got three hours of work in and he worked whenever he could on weekends. And sure, did he sacrifice? Yeah, but did he miss going to his kids' little league games? Nope, Randon Purcell is his name. I know Randon personally, I have a lot of respect for him and a lot of admiration for his work ethic. I guarantee you he d doesn't miss softball or little league games or soccer practice, or uh, maybe PTA meetings. He, he might ask his wife to go to those. But um, I'm sure that Randon is a great, great husband and a great father and a great family guy. And yet he found a way by sacrificing, getting up at 4.30 in the morning. And knowing Randon, he probably worked till midnight on his music after everybody else went to sleep. But now he's got a full-time gig as a staff composer for a, a pretty happening company. And he got that because of his taxi membership and his work ethic and the fact that he just said, I can do this, but it's going to take some work. So there's your answer. Um, don't be nervous. Be excited. Uh, Pierre has a question. Let's see. Marianne's telling me Pierre has a question. Uh, where is Pierre? Here we go. Um, Pierre's question is, I signed a deal for four classical music songs four months ago with the Production Music Library. Since then, I haven't received any replies to my email. Should I consider the signed deal void? No. Um, like I said, they're not in the business of holding hands. They're in the business of finding great music and pitching it for the right opportunities. So Pierre, most libraries, even smallish ones, will have somewhere between 2,000 and 10,000 instrumentals and songs in them. And so let's say the average is I don't know, 5,000 maybe. Um, and let's say the average composer in there has seven things. So what is that? 700-ish composers? So imagine if 10% of those composers were sending them emails every week. That'd be 70 emails a week that each email is gonna, they're gonna give an answer. That's gonna take them anywhere from five to 10 minutes probably. And then you're going to go, oh, thanks for answering me. Um, I've got an additional question, and, and so on and so forth. They don't have the time. 
So don't be insulted. Don't consider it to uh, be a sign that it's a bad library. Yes, there are exceptions. There are some libraries that handhold, but not very many of them. And frankly, they would be making more money for you and for them if they weren't handholding. So don't sweat it. I think you're fine. Definitely don't consider the deal voided, not at all. Um, oops, just ran away from me. <laughs> Linda Cullum says, yeah, it's the guy uh, who does trailers with the sons, Rannon Purcell. Um, He got signed with one of the biggest libraries out there, I suppose. Um, I don't know if it's one of the biggest. I know that it does very well in the trailer music niche. Um, yeah, and sometimes, you know, there are libraries out there that have 200, 300, 400, half a million tracks, 200,000, 300,000, half a million tracks, maybe more. Um, and, and that's great because you get international distribution with all their sub-publishers around the world uh, also making your, avail your music available to their clients. But you can also get that from boutique libraries now because so many boutique libraries have made the effort to create sub-publishing situations with libraries in Germany and France and Italy and Hong Kong and Sydney, Australia, wherever. Um, Sometimes being in a super big library can be disadvantageous because you're a small fish in a very, very, very large ocean. Sometimes you're better off being a bigger fish in a smaller pond. Kind of depends on the day of the week, the genre of music you're making. There's so many variables that there are no definitive answers for some of these things. And what the hell was the question? Um, I lost my place. Anyway, I hope that answered the question. Um, but Andre, what you're saying in, answer, in response to Pierre, I believe, is that you sent stuff to a library but haven't signed the contract and, and you want to know, hey, if you're not responding in eight months, should I go ahead and pitch them elsewhere? I would. Um, but if they reach out to you in the ninth month and you've already made a deal for them elsewhere, be super nice to them and, and very apologetic and professional, which I know you will be, and, and just say, I'm sorry, you know, I waited eight months and I've got to get my music out there working for me. I hope you understand, but I've signed the stuff elsewhere. Would you like me to create more tracks in that same genre for you? I think that would be um, the way to go. Zen Chief Engineer says, God, it took three years my first placement from getting signed. I never called or emailed once. Yeah, you know, uh, last night at 10 o'clock, I was sitting at the kitchen counter with this very laptop working on the success stories for our next newsletter. And yeah, sometimes it takes years. But that's why you want to get as much music out there in as many catalogs as you can because eventually the dam breaks and the water starts flowing and it'll start to flow faster and faster. 
So, you know, if, if you've gotten a couple things signed and nothing has happened and you're losing faith and you're losing hope and you just give up, um, then you're going to regret it. When you finally get those tracks start generating money, you're going to all of a sudden go, crap, if I had 500 tracks out there, I'd be making 500 times the amount of money I'm making right now. So never give up. It does take time. Don't. This is not something where you're going to see instant results. And almost to the person, maybe entirely to the person, I can tell you that our successful members have all been hardworking, methodical, they've paid attention, and they just keep doing it over and over, and they, they go for the long game. They believe that it's not a sprint, that it is a marathon. And even though they're not making any money for three years or five years, whatever, it's just trickling in, they know that number it's a numbers game. And the more music they get out there, that when the dam breaks and things start to happen, by having a lot of music out there, you're going to make a lot more money versus losing five years while you sat there waiting for those, those first few to earn you income. Um, should I go till 5.30? Are you guys enjoying the Q&A part of today's show? Oh, I want to, I see somebody talking in there about Ronan. If you guys haven't heard, um, Ronan Chris Murphy, who's just the greatest guy, he's an engineer, mixer, mastering engineer, producer, um, and a dear friend of Taxi's. Uh, Liz Redwing, his, his partner in life, um, also, um, they're both lovely, wonderful people, spectacularly good people. Uh, and they've been mentoring and teaching at the Road Rally for many, many years. Ronan has been on Taxi TV probably 10 times. Their house got crushed by a 150-foot pine tree um, about 10 days ago. And it's going to cost tens of thousands of dollars just to chop up the tree and remove it from their home. I mean, not a little crushed. I'm talking about it cut their house in half all the way down to the floorboards. It went through the ceiling or the roof, sat on the attic for a little bit, and then went crunch and went through the attic floor into the second floor and then down to the first, excuse me, first floor. Um, Ronan's studio was completely wiped out. So somebody started a GoFundMe for him. Um, and as I was making my donation the other day, I thought, you know, there are enough taxi members that know him to send out an email. And do you know, I I want to say that the amount of the donations doubled over the course of the weekend. And I've got to believe, I saw a lot of taxi member names in there. Um, I think that the taxi community really, really pulled through for them. And um, like I said, I don't want to disclose numbers, but it was X number on Friday evening when I checked it around five or six o'clock. And it was twice that number by last night before I went to bed and I checked it again. So thank you all. Um, thank you for being great people in this community. Um, and, and I'm sure that uh, Ronan will express his gratitude sooner or later when he, you know, but right now they've got to demolish the tree, which insurance doesn't cover that, by the way. If a tree ever falls in your house, you can fully expect your insurance company to say, we'll replace the house. But will they take that 150-foot pine tree? The trunk of that thing was, you know, like four feet across, maybe even bigger. Huge. Um, insurance doesn't cover that. Um, 
and insurance doesn't cover to demolish their house, which is going to have to be rebuilt from the slab up. So they're screwed, but you guys pulled through and the money, the last time I checked, it was several tens of thousands of dollars that had come in. And I'm sure that's going to be a tremendous help. So thank you all for donating. Um, and, and if you, uh, Liz, if you would be so kind, could you find the link to the GoFundMe page and post that in the chat, please? Um, Yeah, he is getting some of the cost of his equipment but um, covered by insurance, but not all of it. And I did see that he mentioned that he had stuff like his mastering speakers, which were like four feet tall uh, and custom built for him, um, irreplaceable. Um, he had a lot of esoteric uh, outboard, like, you know, actual outboard, not just, uh, oh, and his cell phone got crushed under the tree. Um, and he was sitting right there not long before the tree fell. And, and um, yeah, it was close. 150 foot tree is equivalent to a 12 story building. Yep, he lives outside of LA in the, I forget the name of the forest, the Angeles Forest, I believe, Angeles Crest Forest, something like that. Yeah, we are talking about a huge tree. Um, Oh, great. Thank you, Liz, for posting that. Um, oh, Pat War has been in the exact spot where the tree fell. So I take it you've been to his house. <laughs> yeah, I saw your name on the donation list, Pat. Thank you for stepping up. Um, as you well know from knowing both of them, they're just really great people. And I'm glad that so many people in our community were able to help. Um, Liz says it's almost up to 40,000 bucks. Yeah, and if I remember correctly, it was around like 17 or 18,000 late Friday afternoon. Um, Yeah, thank God he wasn't, you know, he was literally where it fell a few moments before. Um, Zen Chief Engineer was stuck in the San Bernardino Mountains with no heat for days. Um, yep, the taxi community, special, uh, the best. Everybody says that and, and we all know it. And I don't know how it happened, frankly, uh, because I see so many other communities out there where it's like, dude, you call that good? And it just, that doesn't help anybody. Our members have always been so supportive of each other and generous. Um, taxi family is a real family, it sure is. Anyway, uh, any more questions or should we wrap this puppy up? Taxi is full of love. Oh, I should click a, a heart emoji or something. <laughs> anyway, again, uh, if you have any ideas for some of your tricks for making uh, more money with your production music, please post them in the comments below the video. Um, and finally, don't miss next week's episode. 
Um, I'm going to do something that I'm going to have a blast with, and I think many of you will appreciate uh, next week. I haven't given it an official title yet, but something to do with microphones and mic placement. Uh, if I see one more person doing a, a live stream or a podcast talking into the wrong side of a microphone, they, they take a microphone that is a front address microphone. You know, if this is the mic here pretend this is a microphone um, and this is where the capsule is and where you should talk. I see so many people, literally like big stars on YouTube, talking into the end of the microphone. They think it's an end fire microphone. So I'm going to give you some really good microphone advice next week for like miking guitar amps, miking acoustic guitars, miking vocals. Um, I, I, I love microphones. It's Probably my forte as an engineer back when I used to do it for a living. Um, I learned from the best in the business and I just absorbed everything they taught me about mic placement. And I love every chance I get to, to share that with people because people buy microphones and they read the little pamphlet that comes in there that was probably written in some foreign country and the translation may not be that great. Just had that experience with a microphone a couple of weeks ago. Um, I'm going to teach you stuff that literally can take an inexpensive microphone and make it sound great. So thank you very much for joining me on today's show. Don't forget, drop some comments and the best comment under the video talking about ways that people can make more money with their production music. That person that gets the most likes is going to get a taxi t-shirt sent to them. That's it. I bid you a fond farewell. Join me next week for another exciting episode of Taxi TV Live. Bye, you guys. Bye.